I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, college football fans across the nation and around the world. I hope you're staying safe with uh, COVID-19 making its making its resurgence. Uh, I know Boston, you know him as Austin Ward. I know him as Boston Ward. Boston, you're staying safe, right? Doing the best we can. Uh, wearing masks out. We, we still want to go out and do human things. I get the urge. Everyone's got that. We took liberty to the zoo uh, yesterday, but I was actually really impressed. I mean, I know that that's sort of the mandate now in Ohio, but even outside people wearing masks uh, at the zoo. And uh, that was good to see. I think, you know, people want their lives to continue. Totally understandable. We're in that boat too. But uh, with that, you have to make some sacrifices. Yeah, it was hot. I didn't love having a mask on in the 90 degree heat, but um, you got to do what you got to do. What does an orangutan look like with a mask on? Uh, and, uh, and what kind of mask do they put on the uh, elephants and the hippos? You know, I didn't get close enough to tell. I, I think that they were just, uh, outdoors and maintaining social distancing. You don't want to get too close to an elephant anyway. So uh, I think we were probably, uh, we were definitely six feet away. We were safe there. Well, outdoors and loving it is what you're trying to say. That's what they were doing. You know, well, with big, with big uh, entities in mind, that's what I'm, that's my segue into my conversation. I've got a conversation coming with Jack Muhort former Ohio State lineman, former Indianapolis Colts lineman, now out of the uh, NFL. But we're going to talk about, or we, on the conversation, we talk about how big guys especially, what kind of precautions they can take in this situation, and uh, really what kind of jeopardy he thinks these uh, players are facing, uh, both in the NFL camps and college football camps, because he's been in both of them. And, uh, and we all know, you know, the, the news this week uh, that, that broke this week, at the beginning of this week, of the Miami Marlins, you know, suddenly having upwards of 12 or more players testing positive for, for COVID-19, which has sent the whole sports world into a tizzy about whether this can work or not. Meanwhile, the, uh, the EPL and all, a lot of these other leagues have continued to play with sort of no catastrophic problems. But now people are questioning because of the Miami Marlins uh, breach, whether or not there can be a college football season. You know, you and I are going to talk about that when we when I get back from this uh, conversation with Jack Muhort. But, uh, you know, there there are a lot of, as, the, as a juggler would say, there are a lot of balls up in the air right now, right? Yeah, we've <laughs> – I think probably people have noticed the tenor of this show changing a little bit from the uh, really, really optimistic tone that we had a month ago to every single week and every, you know, every Tuesday morning when this comes out, it seems like another wave of – of bad news and setbacks and it's just it didn't stop this weekend was not good for any kind of sport really but yeah. uh, especially in this country as you said other other countries have had success really the bubbles have had success MLS and their tournament is working uh, so far the NBA seems to have a pretty good plan we'll see what happens with the NHL this week but baseball man they didn't make it more than four days without uh, a setback the, the, the key in this is uh, is I have uh, trumpeted uh, since the whole thing began, uh, is a seven-letter word, vaccine. Until you get that uh, uh, a plausible, a 
a working vaccine going and distribute it, uh, we're going to be having these discussions because you can, you know, one one person can infiltrate a locker room and suddenly you got 12 people with it. I mean, you know, you've got an NBA player that was off on leave or something and went to a strip club, you know, for <laughs> some reason, you know, now could have been one of those strip clubs that's partitioned off, you know, <laughs> but like, you know, I was going to say that'd be an interesting uh, scene to see, but the bottom line is, you know, it's it, you're only as strong as your weakest link, which we've been saying all along here. If everybody takes it seriously, stays out of harm's way, okay, that's good for your team, but is the other team doing the same thing, you know? You know, you got the Phillies that just played the uh, Marlins, you know, they're, now they're under uh, – we'll, we'll get into that. But, uh, you know, first I want to talk with a guy who's been in, in, in college and, and pro football locker rooms as a player – and uh, and can give some insight into what the what maybe the challenges are going forward with the possibility of a football season this year, uh, Jack Muhart, and then we'll be back right after that to, to further the conversation with Boston. I'm Alex Rodriguez, and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. And as promised, ladies and gentlemen, a blast from the past in terms of uh, Ohio State football is concerned. I've got Jack Muhort, former star lineman for the Buckeyes before he went on to a Really good career with the Indianapolis Coast before, I guess, what? Injuries kind of short-circuited your career, right, Jack? Yeah, you know, they, I would have played 100 years if my body would have held up. You know, I think <laughs> that's, that, that's the goal. You go in thinking you're Superman, and then uh, reality catches up with you a little bit. But, no, I, I couldn't have asked to play in a better city. I had a great four-year career here in Indianapolis. Um, was able to be on the field, you know, a ton. But, you know, the downside of that is that your body gets worn out quickly. So, yeah. Yeah. But hey, thanks for coming on my podcast, my man. You know, we 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 hooked up uh, earlier this month at uh, when we did that 2012 tribute that Urban Meyer wanted uh, done because when he got named the coach of the decade for the 20 what is it the 2010s in the Big Ten, I, I, ironically, he never got named coach of the year, but he got named coach of the decade by the Big Ten Network. Uh, you know, we wanted several of you guys who were key. Uh, members of that team on, and uh, we got together at his Urban Myers Pint, Pint House over here in Dublin, Ohio. And uh, but I just, you know, it, I hadn't seen you for a while, and uh, I really appreciate you joining us that night. But what was that? Just give me a little insight as you as you drove back to Indy after that. What, what were the thoughts that were going through your head from the standpoint of having been part of something special, an undefeated team, one of only six teams in Ohio State history that have gone unbeaten, untied. Well, first of all, it was great to see everybody, including you. You know, you were a big part of that year as well. You know, you were you were around, you know, every day covering it and, you know, being back there seeing Coach and uh, seeing Evan and Jake and Reed and 
CJ. I mean, it was it was just a blast. And you know, going yeah. down memory lane with you know with those guys it was it was emotional and reliving some of those memories and you know some things that guys guys bring up things that you don't quite remember or you know you hear you hear coach tell a story from his perspective. It was a uh, it was a really cool experience over at Coach Myers Pine House. So that was that was a great time. And you know, just reflecting on the on the ride back to Indy, you know, the more years that you know you put between you and those experiences, you know, they, they do start to dull a little bit. So it's yeah. always good to get together and relive the glory day, so to speak. So now that I'm old and washed up, you know, those are the, those are the things that I have to lean on and um, doing stuff like that's a blast. So that was, that was a great time. Yeah. It must be tough to be old and washed up. Uh, old man, by the time I'm 40, I keep thinking of coal miner's daughter, uh, uh, Tommy Lee Jones, but I want to, you know, before we get into what I really wanted you to talk about, which is the challenges these players, especially the big guys, are facing uh, with this COVID-19 situation. Uh, as you look back, uh, you know, there are guys who will tell tales. You know, if you Alabama football, uh, guys tell tales still about playing for Bear Bryant. You know, Ohio State, you know, Rex Kern, all these guys about playing for Woody Hayes. Uh, you know where I'm going with this question. As you look back now, do you feel like you played – for one of the sports great coaches of all time, but just what is your sense of playing for Urban Meyer? You know, you know, obviously Jim Trussell too is in that conversation, but we were specifically talking about that 2012 team, but something special happened right from the start with this guy. You know, what, and do you have a sense that you were playing for one of the great coaches of all time? Yeah, and I, we talked about this a little bit um, a couple weeks ago when we got together. But, you know, by the time Coach Meyer got to Ohio State, he was well-documented as one of the, you know, rising stars. Not even – he was passed out already. He'd won two national championships in Gainesville. So, it, yeah. you know, he was, he was Urban Meyer, as I said, um, before he got to Ohio State. I think what he did at Ohio State cemented him in the pantheon of, you know, the greatest college football coaches of all time. Yeah. Um, and I was, I was fortunate to be there at the very beginning of that. And, you know, as I tell these stories, the older I get it, the more it sounds like, oh, the, the back in my day, you know, it's and it's tough, I think, sometimes for guys to believe the younger guys to believe, you know, what it was like in those early days. But it was all true. And you know what? It was hard. And there was a dark cloud over the program. And there were days, you know, you were to, you didn't know how you were going to get through the day. But all yeah. those things were, were, were building blocks to, you know, not only going 12 and 0, but, <clears throat> you know, the 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 culture and, you know, teaching the guys that came after us, Hey, this is how it's done. This is what we, this is what we went through and we're going to show you what that was like. So you can teach the next guys. And, you know, culture, culture is self-perpetuating. And that's <clears throat> coach Meyer and coach Marotti. <clears throat> excuse me. Um, that's, Great. I mean, that's, that's their biggest, that's their biggest thing. It's all about culture. Right. And, and when they got there, the culture had, uh, it had slipped a little bit. You, you mentioned coach Tressel. I mean, he was the same way. He was, he was a culture driven guy. These yeah. programs had the right, the right leaders um, doing the right things. And, you know, I had the benefit of, of, of already, you know, having played for him. And then to step into a culture with Coach Meyer was just – you can see why he's won everywhere he's been. Yeah. Hey, indulge me one more question about that. What, what, what is it that's different about Urban Meyer – and forget about comparing him to Coach Dressel or Coach Sickle. Coach Sickle had got dealt a, a, wrong, a bad hand. You know what I mean? Man, that was a tough situation there. You you well know that. But uh, what is it that, that sets Coach Meyer apart, in your opinion? 
Meaning, why is he special? To me, in a Coach Meyer-led program, there's nowhere to hide. Everything you do from the classroom to the weight room to the practice field to Saturday in front of, you know, 110,000 people, everything is documented and charted for your peers to evaluate. And, you know, you, you, you become aware of the fact that it's not about you. It's not about how you feel. It's not about it's about holding up your end of the bargain for the guy next to you. And that's, that's the way he, he put his programs together. And, you know, you knew where you stood every day when you walked in there, Yeah. you knew, okay, well, based on what I've done today in the classroom, yesterday in practice, this morning in the weight room, that's how I'm valued in this program. And uh, it was tough, man. And it was competitive, but you know, that's, that's how you get guys to rise to the top and uh, to be judged, you know, I don't know if judge is the right word, but judged, evaluated, whatever it may be, you know, on a daily basis like that, on everything you do, there's no room for the little things to slip. You know, everything, everything you do is, is the Super Bowl that day. So um, I think that that culture of just having nowhere to hide uh, really brings the best out of players. Yeah. That's what my favorite line about if I, when people ask me to summarize Urban Meyer's approach, (laughs) don't tell me what you've done. Tell me what you're doing or show me what you're doing and what are you going to do down the road? You know I mean? That's, it's always about now and, and tomorrow, not about yesterday. Hey, speaking of that, uh, uh, and this is a tough segue, but can you imagine being right now going to an NFL training camp or going into a college football training facility right now with, these, with this question about COVID-19 hanging over things? You know, I know you've thought about this because you're you're a thinking man. But what what are the challenges these players are dealing with, just from a mental or concentration standpoint? Do you think? You know, I, I think the NFL guys are fine. Uh, I, I think it would be tough to be a rookie stepping into this, coming from a college program. But the veterans in the NFL, uh, they're used to being on their own. They're used to to training in different places and you know piecemeal and workouts together and you know doing the thing, the customizable things that are. You know, every, every NFL guy knows what they have to do personally to be prepared for the season. So it's a little easier in that regard. As a college kid, you know, you're depending on that schedule to be in your hand every day that says, hey, be here at this time, um, you know, and, and this is what's expected of you. And when you don't have that as an 18 to 22-year-old, it's uh, – I can see it being a little tough because that's how you build – that's how when you become – you transition to the NFL – you're leaning on that foundation that was built kind of built for you in college. So to not have that and not be together as a group and not grinding together. um, I think the camaraderie is is huge and to not have that, you know, it it would be a struggle for me just because I'm such a locker room team oriented guy. I like, you know, cutting my tape off after practice and sitting there and, and, you know, with Andrew Norwell and Corey Lindsley for an extra hour when I don't have to. So I think it's the things like that, that I would miss the most and, um, just not, not being on campus, not being together and, you know, preparing with the uncertainty of, you know, I don't know if the season's going to happen or not, you know? So it's just, I, I don't know because I'm not going through it, but the mindset, it's just, I, I, I don't know. I don't know where these guys are, where they stand. And I know they have great coaches and great leaders around them that are, you know, helping them put one foot in front of the other. But, you know, at the same time, those coaches, they have the same amount of uncertainty. Now, you know, nobody has the answer right now. So um, I feel for them. I hope there's a season, but, you know, I, and I know they're tough enough to grind through it, but, you know, it's just, it would be bizarre preparing for a football season, not knowing what tomorrow holds. 
All right, you're 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 a thinking man, like I said. I've I've always thought you were intelligent, but uh, you know, if you're not, just let me know right now. Uh, <laughs> but uh, do you think it's folly to be trying to have a a football season right now with the uncertainties and uh, with the unknown about the COVID nineteen and you know, I mean, what what what? Now that you're out of it, as you look at it, what what's your sense of that? You know, like I said, nobody's got the answers, including me. Um, you know, every day this thing looks more and more serious, and I never want to discount the seriousness because people have lost their lives. Lots of people have lost their lives, and the numbers, you know, the numbers right. show it. And, uh, you know, at the same time, as a guy who, who, you know, football has done so much for me and, and opened so many doors for me in my life, you know, I don't know if I was a junior or, se or a senior in college getting ready to be done, you know, how that would have affected me. Uh, and not only that, but, you know, these universities depend on the revenue from football. So I can't say, I can't say that there's a right answer. I think you can try to contain it. And I know, you know, just over at school, they're taking temperatures and they're limiting guys in the facility and they're taking every precaution because, you know, if one guy with, you know, a compromised immune system who doesn't know, maybe doesn't know he has a compromised immune system gets it and loses his life or, you know, yeah. it's seriously, you know, it's just, it's not worth it. You know, at the end of the day, it is a game. Um, but it's just – it's such a strange line to walk. Uh, I think what the NBA is doing with the bubble is cool and creative. But, you know, you see guys not taking that seriously as well. So, right. you know, Tim, I, I don't know. I don't know what the right answer is. As a guy who loves football selfishly, yeah, I want to see – I want to turn the TV on Saturday and watch, you know, 20 football games. But I also don't know that the, the benefits outweigh the risk to human life. So, um, you know – there are people a lot smarter than me working on this and I'm excited to see what they put together. Hopefully it's creative and they can do it in a safe manner. But if not, you know, you, you can't knock them for it just because it is a matter of life and death. What have the linemen in particular, what, what have they missed out on that will be hard to, uh, that will be hard to replicate or duplicate or, or make up for, over the last several months of not having that, just that rigid almost every day. Not, you know, they've been working out, you know, the last month or so, uh, but only nine at a time. What, what have they missed out on from an edge standpoint that you think will take some getting uh, some rust off as, as a season begins or as a preseason camp begins? You know, you guys were almost can till tank is my favorite line about working out back, you know, especially when Urban Meyer showed up. So yeah. what, what are the challenges, especially for the big guys? Um, you know, an offensive line operates as a unit. It's five individuals on the field simultaneously operating as a unit. Um, and I think when you don't have those practices and those workouts together, you know, you, you lose a little bit of that ability to gel early in the season. Yeah. You know, every year by the time we got to our first game, you know, I knew exactly – what Andrew Norwell was going to do before he did it. I knew, you know, which way Corey Lindley, what, what was going to come out of his mouth, Corey Lindsley's mouth before he said it. You know, I, I knew that when we ran power, Marcus Hall was going to pull around and I was going to feel him on my hip doing this, you know. So it was – and those were things you build at 6 a.m. in the off season during workouts and you build them during spring ball. And, uh, you know, yeah. if you figure guys out during this time in the summer when you're going out there and grinding and, you know, you show your teammates you're, you're the man for the job and you're mentally tough and you're going to show up for them when times are tough. So, you know, I, I think offensive linemen just in particular are going to miss a little little bit of that. And uh, that's not to say they can't accelerate it when they get into camp. And But also it's it's the 
it's the just going out to eat after a workout in the, in the social aspect of it. Um, I think that's such a big side of, of offensive line play and trusting guys on and off the field. So it'll be interesting to see. And a lot of these Ohio State guys have known each other, played with each other for a bunch of years. So it may not be that big of a deal. But I know for me that would be the difficult part of it. But, but you know, when you heard some of these guys were, you know, throwing different things around uh, back in April and May and trying to lift weights, I mean, you can't get a more complete uh, – uh, weight room than Ohio State's got, and instead you're trying to do it with milk jugs or something. You know, yeah. I mean, how much? Are, how much? How much did they? Do you think? Just put yourself in their shoes. How much would they have lost from just a physical edge standpoint of those three months? Yeah, you know, I, absolutely. You're you're absolutely right. You know, lifting weights is so uh, critical to playing football at a high level, not only for the strength side of it, but for the injury prevention. You know, yeah. being, strong, being strong and building that muscle in the right places is so critical to making it through a 12-game a season, the NFL a 16-game season, a 17-game season. So um, that, that part of it, I think, is huge. But the, the, the good thing is that everybody's doing the same thing, right? Nobody's, nobody's got access to their facility. Everyone's doing the same, you know push-ups, pull-ups, whatever, you know, air squats, you know, doing, doing sit-ups. It's like, it's like Rocky or something. They're in the, they're in the meat cooler punching the, yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, right. Exactly. So I think the good news is that everyone's on an even playing field trying to figure out, you know, how to, how to get their off-season program in. But, you know, as a guy who had injury and, you know, kind of lived in the weight room trying to trying to rehab through injury and get strong enough to get back on the field. You know, those injured guys, there's some of those guys who are depending on being, on, on being in that facility and being with the trainers and being able to push weight just to get to a point where they're strong enough to step foot back on the field. So I think that's another aspect of it. But yeah. uh, at the same time, I, I know there are guys, like I said, in that facility putting programs together and getting creative. And I, I know they're doing everything they can. So – the good news is, like I said, everybody's on the same playing field across the country. Hey, last thing. What do you what do you miss most about? I mean, you're at, what, what do you do for a living? What are you doing? I'm not sure you have to do anything for a living. The great the great thing I was thinking about when Wyatt Davis, his grandfather Willie Davis, died earlier this year. He was one of my favorite players when I was growing up in the '60s. Played for the Green Bay Packers, superstar defensive end. You know, a guy like that would have made. 10, 20s, 30s millions of dollars would never had to work again in his life, but he had to have an off, off-season job, you know what I mean, things like that. You guys don't necessarily have that challenge, but what are you doing for, to, to bide your time now? What are you doing to make a living, et cetera, and uh, how much do you miss football? Yeah, I, I miss it a ton, I think. You know, I, I still think about I was driving home from Ohio yesterday, and I was sitting in the car just thinking, like, man, is this a bad dream? You know, am I going to wake up in, in that locker room tomorrow and and, and, you know, you, you have moments like that where it's tough. And I, it's still pretty fresh for me. I'm 18 months, two years removed from walking out of training camp here in Indy. But it's, you know, I, I have dreams where I wake up and I was, you know, I was playing football. It's like, man, you can't believe it's over because you do what you pour so much time and energy and dedication into one thing. And then you snap yeah. your fingers and it's gone. But, you know, the great part is, is the relationships remain, right? I made so many strong, strong connections with people along the way, coaches, uh, teammates, you know, staff, you know, that's the stuff that to me is the most important. Um, but then I think the other side of that coin is you talked about what, you know, what you're doing afterwards. It's, you know, finding something else to be passionate about. You know, the one thing I always wanted to do my entire life was play professional football. And yeah. I got to do that. I lived a dream and I'm beyond lucky and grateful that I, you know, I got to do that. And I'm also grateful that I get to turn the page and go, go be passionate about something else. And, 
so for me right now, like every other offensive retired offensive lineman in the world, I'm in commercial real estate. So I'm doing yeah. doing commercial real estate investments over here in Indianapolis, and I love it. It's it's competitive, and you find ways to compete, and you find ways to benchmark yourself, uh, just like football. So it's just it's about taking the stuff you learn, playing ball, and applying it to to the next the next page. So. Um, I, and I'm like, you know, I was compensated beyond fairly playing football. I have, I'm not bitter. I have no regrets. And I get to, I, I have the ability to go chase something that I want to do as opposed to, you know, provide for, you know, a, a huge family and live paycheck to paycheck. So I, I'm beyond grateful for what the game's provided for me. And I wish, I wish I could have done it, like I said, for a hundred years, but I'm so grateful that, you know, I can, I can turn the page and, and go on to the next thing. Ladies and gentlemen, coming soon, million dollar listings, Indy. Yeah, right. Call me. Hey, that's one of my yes, favorite. Yes. I mean, my, two of my favorite shows are Million Dollar Listings yeah. LA and Million Dollar Listings uh, yeah. uh, New York, you know, Manhattan or whatever is New York. Tracy I mean, oh, yeah, man. I love, yeah. I love those shows, brother. Hey, uh, last thing. Is it amazing, Jack, though, as you look back, that you achieved your dreams? I mean, from standpoint of you got to the NFL. Is it, as you look back on it now, did they go by in a flash or was it, and how cool is it to know? that no matter what comes now, you did get to where you wanted to get at one point. Yeah, it, it, it went by too quickly. You know, every day seemed like it was, it was so long. And you, you're wondering, you know, you're in training camp going, to, you know, playing against, you know, Robert Mathis and guys like, you know, you're, you're going out there on Sundays and playing against Vince Wilfork. And you're like, man, I don't know how I'm going to, you know, get ready for this or prepare for this. But at the same time, it, it was, every day was the most fun I ever had. I was in a facility. I lucked out. You know, yeah. got to play on a team with some some guys are still my best friends to this day. Play for a family like the Ursays, who have been beyond generous to me. Um, it, it, so it did go by too quickly, but like I said, those relationships remain, and it's just it's about turning the page and, and finding what's next. And uh, you know, I'll, I'll always have that. But someday I'm going to hopefully have a kid who's going to look at me and say, "Dad, well, what'd you do?" And I. You know, I hope it's something more than, well, I got lucky and I played four years in the NFL. So that's that's what I'm doing now is trying to find that next thing so I can leave a legacy of, of something more than football. Um, and yeah. obviously that's that's my crowning achievement to this point, but I hope that's not the end of my story. Kid, you see that big building over there? I sold that. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. exactly. Exactly, man. Hey, uh, ladies – Ladies and gentlemen, Jack Muhart. Jack, thanks for coming on the Tim May Podcast, my man. I, and we're going to do this some more, man. I really appreciate this hookup. No, man, I, I appreciate you having me. It's always good to see you. Glad to be with you. And uh, glad to see you're doing big things, man. You, you don't age at all. I think I told you the last time I saw you, you still look the same as you did in 2009. So I got that Warren Beatty soft focus going right now. You know what I'm saying on the uh, video. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Jack Muhart. Thanks a lot, Jack. All right. See you, Tim. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. And we're back, ladies and gentlemen. Truly appreciate Jack Muhort, one of my favorite players. I know I say that every time I have a player on, but I've had a lot of favorite players at Ohio State. And uh, Jack certainly fits that bill, right, Boston? Well, you're kind of like Irvin Meyer, where all, all of your top-end players that you've covered 
uh, or coached for Urban's case are, are the favorites. And look, there's a reason he kept a Jack Muhor jersey in his office. Uh, you know, basically since he left after the 2013 season, he held him up as one of the prime examples of leadership. And I think part of it too is something we talked about at the Pint House a few weeks ago is that you know it wasn't a, a smooth ride. Jack Muhor and Jake Stoneburner had to had had their scholarship taken away. They had to earn it back. God, oh man, for one of a porta potty, but go ahead. <laughs> but for Muhort to go through something like that at the start and then to be 18 months later hailed as one of the all time great leaders of Urban Meyer's career. And he, you know, there's 150 NFL jerseys he could have put in that office uh, or, or, you know, Florida or Ohio State jerseys or Bowling Green or whoever. Uh, he had a Jack Muhort in there. Uh, John Simon jersey for a little while in there too, and, and some of them changed out. But man, Muhort, uh, when he was around, was one of the most respected guys that you're ever going to deal with. Uh, it's it's totally fair to have him on that short list like you do, Tim. He is a a great guy. Oh yeah, absolutely. And uh, let's get into what we're talking about though. Uh, you know, we teased it before the Muhort interview, and uh, you heard his two cents worth. But you know, just. You know, the news that uh, the Miami Marlins, a uh, major league baseball team, uh, you know, has had, had its problems now where upwards of 12 or more players tested positive coronavirus causing cancellations of games. You know, like like I was teased earlier, and uh, we talked about this on several of these podcasts in the past couple of weeks because of the way the Big Ten announced uh, that it was going to an all-conference, uh, in, intra-conference uh, scheduling this year. And, of course, in the Pac-12 followed suit. I would expect by the end of this week, we're going to hear a definitive word from the uh, ACC, the SEC, and the Big 12, which may be along similar lines. You know, we'll see. They may play one uh, out-of-conference game each. We'll see where that goes. I mean, some people are being really brazen about this. Uh, yeah. But, you know, it's kind of – time to put up or shut up when it comes to scheduling, et cetera. But, uh, you know, the thing about the Big Ten was, you know, they said they would like to play an interconference schedule, didn't guarantee it. And then number two, uh, the, the reason you want to do that is it gives you the flexibility if suddenly a team gets hit by uh, a spate of COVID-19 infections or, or positive tests that you can postpone games, et cetera. Uh, and that's the luxury that football has that almost every other sport doesn't because almost every other sport is a continuum. You know, I mean, it's, you play almost one game either every day or every other day or every third day, like uh, in the NHL or NBA standpoint, but you know, you could put off a football game for two weeks, you know, and uh, especially if you're limiting, for example, the uh, attendance in the stands, you're you're not affecting, you're going to be affecting half or maybe even, you know, fewer people than you would be in a regular season situation, how the ticket distribution is going to be handled. That, that's, a, that's a podcast for another day because that hasn't even been announced. But, but the flexibility that college football could have to either start on September the, you know, or August 29th or September the 5th, all the way to play it to who, who knows when, December or January. That's why I think there still is the possibility of a college football season in some form or fashion. What do you think? Well, I don't think it should come as a surprise to anybody that Major League Baseball was the least equipped and least successful so far in the rollout. I mean, they have been all over the map and completely disorganized from day one. Uh, so it's, it doesn't, that doesn't come as a big surprise to me, especially because they abandoned some plans that would you know, play in spring training sites and, and to form some sort of bubble 
the fact that they were trying to continue to play across the country, really not feasible right now. This, the places where you're having success, it's early for the NBA. We'll see when those, when it really starts ramping up, what happens for them. But MLS, other than two teams that had to withdraw, thanks to, you know, Dallas, which was reported that they had a going away party before they went to the quarantine and in the bubble. Oh, wow. Shocker that that didn't work out for them. And they withdrew. But MLS hasn't had any positive tests since they got in the bubble, really, since then. The crew had one, uh, you know, I think flagged, didn't turn out. They went through, you know, so far, a couple weeks into it without any issues. Uh, We'll see if the NHL, also a bubble, how that works as they, uh, the Blue Jackets left on Sunday, you know, to get there. We'll see how that, that approach works. But you look at, if you don't limit the contact outside of your team, you're going to have these problems. It's not, a, it's not a shock that baseball dealt with that right away. I think what was more interesting to me over the weekend was there's been this rush and push to get that schedule out for the Big Ten. Well, you already got a test of the versus, you know, needing that flexibility when both Rutgers and Michigan State put the entire team in quarantine. Yeah. They're not able to do the two-week – walkthrough period it's that could set back the start of their training camp you might be looking at a situation right now for Michigan State like we talk about Rutgers every week I don't believe that Rutgers are gonna be able to play at all Michigan State you know they can't play really in week one or week two now yeah I wouldn't think because they want to have the same opportunities that the rest of the Big Ten had with two weeks of, of easing in and then a full training camp so they already need that, that flexibility if they're going to even play week one or a, yeah. a, a first game, excuse me. No, you're, you're exactly right. This, it, like you and I have talked about several times on this, and I'll reiterate, if it was just your team that you had to worry about, <laughs> you know, you could, you could handle situations. You could, this could be copacetic. But you're, you're going to try to get your team ready to play against another team that has to take the same disciplined approach of keeping this thing out. And that's why it is so up in the air about what's coming around the corner because you have no clue what's coming around the corner, whether or not the other program is taking things, quote, as seriously as you are. But like we just pointed out, one breach by one person can upset the whole apple cart for a whole team. And, uh, you know, and the other thing I'm really interested in, I haven't gotten, you know, people I've talked to haven't gotten real clear guidance on this is uh, there has to be some discussion on what, constitutes uh, a COVID-19 outbreak on your team to suffice uh, causing you to have to postpone a game. You know, I'm talking about in the Big Ten. And there's been some discussion, but like I said, you know, earlier, if you only have five guys that get it on your team, does that suffice? But if four of those five guys are your four quarterbacks, you know, it's a total different uh, look at things. Yeah, I I think one reason that we haven't, heard a number on that, Tim, is just exactly what we saw at Michigan State. Yeah. They reported that it was six positive tests and then shut down the whole team. The reason for that is going to be, even if you come up with the most genius practice structure, ones versus threes, twos and scout team, and everybody's separate so that, the, you know, so that you can try and limit, when you're contact tracing a team, you're going to have a team to, that all needs to go into quarantine. That's what yeah. happened with Michigan State. That's what happened with Rutgers. They didn't have – 37 positive tests. They didn't have the kind of outbreak that Clemson had, you know, back in June with huge numbers of tests. If the NCAA and the Power Five leagues then adopt what the NCAA recommended with, if you have um, contact exposure and then you go into a 14-day quarantine, 
you cannot have a football season because of what we just saw over the weekend. Yeah. The whole team is going to have to go. The whole coaching staff is going to have to go. There's no way that you can properly prepare to play football with 14-day quarantine for these guys. I get like people that are – I'm not advocating for that. I want them to play college football. The football players themselves want to play. We've talked to enough of them, current no, yeah. players. If you ask them to sign a waiver, they're not worried about getting COVID-19. They're young. They're in great – the best shape of their lives. They, if they think they might have a day of sickness, they're okay with that. But the, for a college to take that risk and for multiple colleges, 130 to take the risk, they're just not going to do it. And I don't see how there's a way forward because you don't have to say – four quarterbacks or 10 starter starting players to cancel a game. Because I think there won't be situations like that because contact tracing is going to rule out. If you have five, then that number suddenly becomes 50 on its own. Yeah. You know, uh, Ohio state, uh, uh, toyed with the idea of, uh, when they brought, when they had the players coming back for voluntary workouts back on, uh, what was that? June the 8th. Yeah. When we, uh, do I have the, yeah, I have the, uh, June 8th, July the 8th. What am I, what am I remembering? Yeah, they came, they came yeah. back. Yeah, uh, of having them maybe in a uh, either a dorm that's been sanitized or a, uh, a, a hotel that's been sanitized, you know, one to a room so that it would make it uh, – but then they figured out that the cost of that would be over the top, you know. Right. But uh, I got to – I don't know. You know, when, when they open camp, they always go to a hotel, obviously. When they open camp, you know, right now I think it's August 7th is the date. Right. Uh, but you know that 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 weekend or that area. Uh, but the bottom line is, uh, it'd be interesting to see whether they go to one person to a room. But then, would they consider, for example, maintaining that? You know, they always break camp just the week before the season opener. They break and they they come out of the hotel after a couple of weeks. Maybe uh, you know I'm, I, you know they have, haven't gotten final word on whether Ohio State's actually going to try to maybe may maybe extend that, but. But, you know, this is so – it's almost kind of like watching a cat chase its tail a little bit. <laughs> you know, it's chasing its tail, chasing its tail, you know, and uh, feeling pretty good about itself. And all of a sudden it bites its own tail, you know, and goes, oh, my, oh my goodness, what did I just do? And it only, it only takes one or two positive tests. Like you said, the tracing begins. Suddenly you've got ten guys in quarantine because they were around that one guy or those two guys. And uh, then who were they around? And like you're saying, I – it, just when you think this season can happen, you, you, you think deeper into it and, and you go, there's no freaking way without a vaccine. Yeah, I don't think that the logistics work. And I can't stress this enough. There's a, all these people that, you know, say that it's, it's doom and gloom or that we're, we're all overreacting. This isn't uh, a political. Now let me interrupt you. But you're, you're exactly right. What you're leading up to is this. We can say that these guys are in the best shape of their life. That, you, know, you know, they might have one or two days of discomfort. But dude, there could be uh, there could be players who get violently ill, perhaps even, you know, the worst case scenario. You don't want that on your conscience. Uh, Gene Smith doesn't want to be thinking about that. Neither does Ryan Day. Neither do the parents of the players. You know, and the players, if you really sat down in a corner and thought about it, they don't either. That's what's so maddening about this uh, COVID nineteen situation. I think that uh, nobody anywhere wants football more than me I mean the players obviously are, are are invested the coaching staff Ohio State wants to make that money like I, I want football just as badly as anybody and I also see all those other arguments that people say well the symptoms 
won't be so bad. The players are young. They would, and I, I know for a fact that they would want to play the game and they are, they'd sign off on it if they get a chance to do what they love and, and set themselves up for an NFL career. And, you know, players play through the flu all the time and, and they're lauded for making that effort and taking an IV and then going out there and play. How is that different? I, I don't argue with any of those any of those opinions, any of those facts, I, yeah. all of that is, is completely fair to ask and wonder. And nobody knows the right way 100% to handle this until, as you said, there's a vaccine and we can move on from there. Now, is everyone going to take the vaccine? Uh, is it, does that eliminate it 100%? I don't know. That's not my expertise. I'm not here to talk oh, about no, it. Oh, but, no, but, 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 you know, <clears throat> when I, I got the flu shot last year, I felt pretty good about myself about not getting the flu. You know, you can yeah. still get the flu, you know, but I felt pretty good that my body was equipped to, to battle, you know, to, to handle the situation. You get a COVID-19, this is all about confidence as much as anything else, but this has consequences. You know, like I said, you can just get a cough or a, you can feel bad or lose your, uh, let's say your sense of smell for a day or two, or it can be, I'm talking about COVID-19, or it can be a lot worse than that. There's no guarantee just because you're in great shape, that you're going to just plow through it. If there was that guarantee, then uh, NBA, uh, MLS, all these school, all these pl- places would just keep playing. You know, they're not the MLB. They would just keep playing. That you, there's no guarantee what what is going to come down the pike for you. And that's that's what's like I said, maddening about it. Yeah, and I, I think that that's that's been the hardest part for me to get there. Is that I want there to be football. And I understand that players are willing to play it, but you can't – the parameters that are going to be set out for the community as a whole, they're not I – I just don't see how they're going to allow it. And I, I, can, I can just sense a bunch of people turning us off because this has become a, a bad news show. But it's not even about the athletic directors, and it's not going to be about the players being willing to play if you could somehow get them to sign a waiver – which they'll never get to that point in the college ranks either. But right. local governments, you talked about them allowing, you know, people to come in and sell tickets. And, and Ohio State has, uh, you know, some proposals out there that they're trying to, you know, maneuver so that they can put people in the horseshoe this year. You know, I, I just don't – I don't think that that's going to be allowed to happen. I don't think that the size gatherings, I think the way that we're going right now, they're they're going to have to – or they will be taking another step, if not in Ohio, again to go to Rutgers. There's just no way you can play Rutgers right now. And we talked about this early on. Would the Big Ten play a season without 14 teams? If they're going to, I think they would have to do that. There are too many hurdles in the Big Ten footprint right now to allow it to happen. And that's without – they're going to put out a schedule at some point probably this week. You know, they're going to keep acting as if everything is on track. Ohio State, hey, they've got positive news. They didn't have, you know, anybody, you know, withdraw from the workouts last week. Right. Uh, Training camp starting on the 7th. All that stuff is on track. But if you don't have opponents that you can play, that's going to be all for naught. And I just – I've become – I I think a lot of fans would – I think a lot of fans would pay to go in and watch Ohio State play Ohio State, you know. A couple of times in the fall, as opposed to like seeing no football at all. Maybe that's maybe that's where we're headed. You know, developmental the developmental league. You know, uh, the ones versus twos and uh, et cetera. Huh? Five scrimmages. You go. You go watch that, wouldn't you? I mean, absolutely. Absolutely. Watch. 
Yeah. I mean, uh, any football fan would, a uh, true football fan, but uh, – You can charge me whatever. And I normally hate the spring game. Yeah. But I hey, would say – <laughs> The last thing I want to see is more – is more uh, virtual video game football. I mean, you know, I'm – you know, that's that, – that does nothing for yours truly. I don't know what it does for you, but it, it does you nothing watched, for yours truly. Have you watched it? No, I watch. I watched. Uh, you know, some of these. You know, like the, the when I. You know, I do an at speed podcast, and I watch some of the. You know, those races. And the first one was first couple were pretty interesting, but the rest of them were like, you know, no offense. Uh, and I know it takes. You know, it doesn't take guts. It doesn't take guts to drive a race car when you're sitting in a in front of a computer screen. What <laughs> makes it interesting is when you know guys are out there putting it on the line. You know, right. uh, full speed, and that's what football is. You know, it's funny because we're talking about contact tracing. I just, Remember that great quote one time I heard Bill Young was the defensive coordinator at Ohio State in the early under the John Cooper years. And he's out there when we get to, used to get to go to practice. And he's out there and he's yelling at the players one day. And he goes, God dang. But he didn't say God dang. He goes, basketball is a contact sport. Football is a collision sport. Hit somebody. And so this contact tracing, or as you'd call it in football, collision tracing, you know, uh, that's what separates it, man. We've always said that football is the most congregational – college football is the most congregational sport there is from the standpoint of the number of players involved running into each other on every play, the number of fans in the stands sitting around and yelling, et cetera. That's why it was it was always – and Kirk Herbstreit said this at the beginning of it, you know, it's just hard to look forward and see that all getting taken care of to the satisfaction of everybody. And, uh, and so that's where we're headed. You know, we, we, we've kind of beat that dead horse, though. I think uh, there's – let me throw this out there, Tim, just real quick. I'll, I'll be as quick as possible. The biggest hurdle right here that's still left, in my opinion, are, are the school presidents not taking any steps and announcing anything across the country about uh, virtual learning or in-person learning. If, you, if they wanted – if they were truly committed to playing college football this year, and this goes in the exact opposite, flies in the face of what we heard in March and April – Virtual learning and not having other students on campus would be the only way I could really see them having athletics. Yeah, isn't that funny? Because we thought the other way around earlier. Then you have a, then you have a bubble. Yeah. yeah. Okay? Yeah. Why they were so opposed to this idea, student athletes are not treated like every other athlete on campus. They keep Ever. pretending like that's not the case and that they're, they're all the same. They're not the same. I know, man. I've always, you know, my big line, I just wish they'd pull the covers back, you know. I mean, you know, why, why do you have to keep putting up? It's not a sham, but it's it a show. It is a sham. It is a show. Sham. It's a production. Uh, yeah. I mean, Justin Fields right now, he's, he's thinking about several things, one of which is, am I going to get to play this season for Ohio State? If I do get to play, how is this going to affect whether I should go to the NFL you know, which we all believe. I'm just giving him as an example. Uh, and if I, you know, and and he, you know, and he's worried about passing his courses for sure. I, I think he's a serious student when it comes to that. But it's, you know, this is a this idea that it's uh, all these it's 85 uh, college college uh, students who happen to want to play football. You know, it's just it's always boggled my mind. But I go along with it because I love college football. You know. Uh, but you're you, exactly right. You I mean, there was no – when I was an Alabama fan growing up, you know, did I think Joe Namath – did I worry about what Joe Namath was getting in his, you know, whatever his major was, commerce, whatever that was. You know, Alabama had all these majors listed. One of them was commerce. I go, what the 
what the hell is commerce? You know, can you throw the ball 60 yards? That's what I want to know. Justin Fields is the most valuable asset, uh, at least in terms of uh, enrolled students on Ohio State's campus. If you're yeah. not making exceptions for your most valuable students to keep them there, then you're doing the whole thing wrong in the first place. Yes. You and I, you and I understand it, and we've been around this sport long enough to know uh, where some of the inaccuracies lie with the way they talk about students and the way they talk about college football and student athletics. I mean, that's fine. But that's why I say the, the last outstanding hurdle that they would have to clear, especially if you wanted to have a Big Ten conference basketball tournament in Indianapolis, you could, you could form bubbles for these guys. But I'm not advocating that they will do that or that they should. But the, the barrier now is that the presidents of schools will not just say that these guys are valuable for us. They bring us tens of millions, hundreds of millions of dollars, and that they are not – normal student athlete. They're not normal students. I can't even say I'm so tripped up by how ludicrous it is that they won't just give up the game and say, these guys deserve to be compensated. And then you can ensure that the sport actually continues to happen once you treat them that way. Well, you, what you have to learn to do is what I've done a long time ago, just call them players because that's their players who happen to go to school and are required to uh, pass courses. And, you know, and they've done, you know, I'm not discounting that. I mean, Ohio State's done a great, as, as great a job as anybody out there, uh, especially in the last 20, 25 years of reinforcing, uh, making sure these guys get their degrees, making sure they learn things, et cetera. I mean, I'm not discounting that at all, but we all know that the reason they go and recruit uh, Zach Harrison and uh, Justin Fields and Sean Wade is because they think th- these guys, first and foremost, can enhance their football team, you know. And uh, whether whether these guys go on to be great leaders of our society remains to be seen. I think those three guys I just mentioned, for example, have that capability also, you know, but let's not, let's not lose sight of why they are there, what they mean. And like you said, and they, you know, I think they do get special dispensation. It's just, you know, you don't necessarily want to talk about that stuff all the time. Right. But anyway, go ahead. There was a five-star chemistry major who was making Ohio State $200 million, and they discovered the vaccine, guess what? We would blow out the coverage for that, that kid on campus. Yes, I mean, we would. Yeah. But that, that's just not the case. So what would he be? He'd be a – instead of a student athlete, he'd be a student chemist? What would he be? A student – huh? Right? See, a, it doesn't, it doesn't uh, apply anywhere else. They don't call what him – What he'd stuff. be? What he'd be? Unless Ohio State got the trademark rights to it, he'd be a student millionaire, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but but I, but that's a podcast for another day. But anyway, hey, uh, Boston, thanks for joining me again. Real quick, man, just give me one tidbit people need to know about the football team, about, you know, obviously we, we discussed uh, uh, on Letterman Row, uh, we had ad nauseum to a certain extent, the uh, defensive back situation uh, last week. What's coming up this week? What, are, what should people be tuning in for? Yeah, we're closing out. It, somehow we've made it through. Uh, nine weeks, nine nine unit weeks strong. We've got the special teams left, so it's kind of a grab bag this week. Yeah. Um, you know, really, it's crazy how much talent is on this roster. So you'd think that, you know, everything would would lend itself to being the best kick return unit, best punt return unit, best field goal unit in the country, best punting unit in the country. And and last year they had some really really high highs and a couple points that were were low. They yeah. It's weird that they could still get better in that department and 
So we're talking a little bit about that. And can Garrett Wilson take the next step as a punt returner? Um, I was looking. Tim, it felt to me like Drew Chrisman, like, took a little bit of a step back last year. The numbers don't bear that out at all. That his, his average in the net punting for Ohio State was actually up from two years ago. That surprised me. That's one thing I actually learned uh, as I started to look back because it just felt like, I don't know, maybe maybe the standard's too high for Drew Chrisman at this point. Uh, but just didn't – there were weeks it just didn't feel like uh, he was out there being himself. But you got, you got him being one of the best punters in the country. Abiel really delivered some big kicks last year. If Garrett Wilson, I think that punting return drought for touchdowns, it's now back to 2014. I think he can be a guy to break it. So, yeah, uh, we'll talk about a lot of stuff like that. And you've got the erstwhile, Demario McCall still sitting out there. You know, how will he figure – I mean, you know, I mean, it's just – it's kind of interesting. Uh, the personnel they've got on hand, both old and young, who could just spice up this uh, – the you know, especially the return teams. It It is amazing how long it's been since there's been one of those, you know, for a touchdown. But uh, – but, you know, Drew Chrisman, uh, back to him, maybe maybe the little sense you had of him maybe falling off a little bit as a year near the end of the year last year was the fact that he was working on his passing game. <laughs> I think that was it? Yeah, you no, got to stay focused. Dude, yeah. I, you know, there, 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 there are, I think there are a couple of things that make a coach feel, conf, feel more confident than usual going into a year. One is, just, is does he have the roots, the guts of his offensive line back? And Ohio State does. And does he have his kicker and punter back who have proven themselves to be quite, quite good. And uh, Blake Hallbile and Drew Chrisman are definitely those guys. Of course, there's going to be a new deep snapper. I think that's a big deal. Uh, Liam McCullough, man, go back. You talk about a guy that was near perfect for, for his stay at Ohio state. Crazy. Now he's in a, in a Las Vegas Raiders uniform, (laughs) which was cool to see. But uh, yeah, I mean, right on down the line, those are the things that make you feel good. As a, as a coach. Well, Liam McCullough, that is a big deal. And uh, I'm trying to set up some stuff with him for this week to talk about that uh, family dynasty that might be in place and, and what yeah. comes next. You got, you got Rowan McCullough. So you know what works, right? If, if you got that four years of, of long snapping experience with that guy, maybe little brother can do the same thing. The McCullough's, man. Don't mess with the McCullough's. But uh, i tell you what, I appreciate you joining me again, Boston. You know, it's always a pleasure, man. And, uh, you know, we'll be back next week with another Tim May podcast. And, uh, you know, as, as I say, as I kind of leave off at the end of each podcast, maybe we'll, things will be a little more definitive then than they are now because we always always expected some some gray area <laughs> in, this, in this COVID-19 situation. You did too, right? Yeah, it was, it's not going to be perfect. And I think that it's – I've said this before. It's helpful in a lot of ways that they can inform their decision based on what just happened with Michigan State and Rutgers. Yeah, and what's going on with the Major League Baseball and what's going on with NFL camps opening. I mean, uh, Ohio State, you know, so far has not opened up its, uh, you know, its, its dressing rooms and, and a couple of other facilities at the Woody Age. It's always been about guys coming in, doing their thing, getting their lunch and leaving. And uh, so – the challenge is going to be when you actually open the locker rooms and guys are somewhere in proximity, uh, how does it go then? And, you know, it's always going to be these little tests. And what we found out, ladies and gentlemen, it's going to be week to week, maybe day to day, on whether how, how, how the wind is blowing in this thing, as the Mary Poppins uh, uh, musical would show you. You know, when the wind's blowing one way, you feel good. When it's blowing the other way, you know, change is in the air. Yep. But, you know, until next week, this is Tim May for Boston Ward. Uh, We'll see you then.
It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, report prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.